Welcome to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I'm going to talk to you about what I I believe is the greatest pitfall that the enemy tries to use against believers and how not to step over into this or trip over into this in 2023 uh, to stay in line. What have we been teaching in the morning? Staying in line, getting in position for a life of breakthroughs, nonstop breakthroughs. That's our That's our confession. That's our story in Jesus' name. And so uh, the enemy does not want you to have what God said is yours. He doesn't want you to receive your promises, doesn't want you to have your miracles. So what does he try to do? He tries to keep you out. Now, he can't do it by force. So he tries to deceive you out of your blessings, tries to deceive you out of what God said belongs to you. Um, It's interesting to me, by the way, that... The very first thing in the book of Genesis that we have on record that the devil said as the serpent in the garden, did God really say? Isn't that interesting? Put that in the comments section. That's the first words. Those are the first words we have on record of the devil saying in the book of Genesis. Did God really say? Interesting question. Did God really say? And then after he said that, he then twisted the word of God to make God say something he never said. And of course, you know, he was speaking to Eve as he's, you know, tempting her to eat from the tree. But remember that after he asks the question, did God really say? He then twists God's word into something God did not say. And because he's a deceiver, the devil's a deceiver. The devil's a liar. And let me just encourage you, those of you that are believing for big turnarounds, the enemy will come to you as you stand and believe for breakthroughs. He'll come to you and say, don't get your hopes up. That's never going to happen. That's not going to come to pass. You need to just say it out of your mouth. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Hallelujah. Let God be true and every man, every demon, every devil a liar. If God spoke it, then he will do it. He'll bring it to pass. Hallelujah. And so uh, I want to deal with this. And um, as we were in our our Bible reading today, two passages jumped out at me um, just like it it was like off the page, glaring in my spirit. And I knew the Lord was leading me about what he wanted me to share with you tonight. The first passage was in our very first chapter that we read today in our reading, Mark chapter six. And so... Uh, I'm going to begin there in Mark chapter six, and we'll read these six verses of scripture. And then we'll jump over to another passage. I'm going to compare these two with you, but look at this. Um, Mark six, we're going to read verses one through six, Mark six, verses one through six. Listen, he went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, He began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? 
How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, look at this, he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching, teaching. And so I want you to get this in your spirit right off the bat. Jesus didn't have any issues with his power. Jesus was not uh, insufficient in power, authority, dominion. It wasn't his problem. In fact, the Bible says that there were still some people there who had faith that Jesus could touch and do a few miracles by laying his hands on a few sick people. So, so get this in your spirit right off the bat. Jesus didn't have any issues with his power, his authority, his anointing. There were no issues with Jesus. The problem was with the people. It was with the people. Liz has a praise report, put my niece in the comments yesterday for high fever to go. She woke up this morning singing hallelujah, praise the Lord. She's only three and got her healing. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. And thank you, Jesus. And so notice, notice the pattern here. Jesus goes to a place where they were offended at him and they were filled with unbelief at his uh, identity, who he was and what he was there to do. And as a result of their unbelief, notice, he couldn't do any mighty works there except for laying hands on a few people, a few people. So I want you to uh, put this in the comments. If you got to put it in all caps, put it in all caps. Stay free from unbelief. I want you to put it in now. Stay free from unbelief. You say, well, that sounds obvious. Well, it's a slippery slope, and I'm going to show you why in this teaching tonight before we pray. This truly is an attack of the devil against every believer. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't, it doesn't, none of that matters. He tried to use it against Jesus. Stay free from unbelief. This is a pitfall that keeps people from receiving their breakthroughs from the Lord. Unbelief. And, and it's funny because we talk about unbelief, but un, unbelief is truly a very uh, deceptive type of sin. You know, when you doubt God, it's basically you're calling God a liar. That's a sin. So, you know, unbelief, doubt and unbelief are sins that need to be, we need to be delivered from that. And I'm going to tell you in this broadcast how we can stay free from unbelief. But notice what happened. Though Jesus was ready to do mighty miracles, though he had the ability to do them, their unbelief short-circuited his ability to release his power. So unbelief short-circuits God's ability to release his power in your life, in your life. And here's the, here's the crazy thing about unbelief. There could be others right around you who have faith. I mean, in your same church, in your same family, they've got faith while you're in unbelief. And it's more frustrating for you because they're getting miracles and you are not. <laughs> and there's nothing that feels worse than being on the outside looking in 
wishing that you were having the same manifestations and breakthroughs as somebody else in the body of Christ. Why isn't that working for me? How come I'm not seeing that? And it's a sad thing because just like here, you know, Jesus is in Nazareth, but he's able to heal a few people, but the majority of them that needed a touch from his presence, he couldn't do any mighty work for them. So watch, they had to see others get their miracle while they remained in a place where they got nothing. What caused that? Not Jesus' desire, not God's sovereign will, not the fact that Jesus didn't have enough anointing. It was their unbelief. And the Bible says, and Jesus marveled at their unbelief. So what was his response? My father, for years, has preached a message called the cure for unbelief. The cure for unbelief. What is the cure for unbelief? Hearing the word of God preached and taught. Hearing the word of God preached and taught. That is the cure for unbelief. That'd be a great note to take if you're taking notes tonight. Be something great to put in the comments. Preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. Be a great way to write it. Preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. So notice what Jesus did in the sixth verse. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went about among the villages teaching. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. You want to get unbelief out of your spirit? You want to build faith in your heart? Listen to the word of God being preached and taught. Read the word of God. Get it in your spirit. It drives unbelief out of you. Hallelujah. And I'm going to talk to you about something else regarding that hearing the word in just a moment. And that is this. You know, I was thinking about this even when we were in Bible school. Uh, This was 20 years ago. But I was thinking about the fact that The Bible in saying that, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible, even in the Holy Spirit inspiring that passage, is assuming something about us, right? What is the Bible assuming in this passage? That we don't just hear the word of God, but we receive it as true. We receive it as true. That's a big deal, and I'm going to show you why. It's not enough to just hear it. You have to hear it and receive it as truth, right? You hear it and receive it as truth. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. Because if it was just about hearing it only, right, Thomas heard the gospel message. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. He's been resurrected. What did Thomas say? I won't believe it unless I touch the nail scars in his hands and see the wound in his side. Well, hold on. What's going on here? That wasn't a response of faith. That was a response of unbelief from Thomas. We we call him doubting Thomas because he doubted the resurrection. And so that wasn't a response of faith. That was a response of doubt. Here's a question for you. How did Thomas come to doubt that? Because he heard That report, which was the gospel message, Jesus is alive, but he doubted what he heard. He disregarded what he heard. It's a dangerous thing. Watch this now. It's a dangerous thing to put more stock 
in what men say or what you see in the natural realm than what the word of God says. It is a dangerous thing to put more stock in what men say or what you see in the natural realm than what the word of God says. What the word of God says. The word of God is the highest truth there is. And so think about how powerful this is. It's such a powerful truth that it can change the facts. Hallelujah. It can change your diagnosis. It can change your legal trouble. It can change your family condition. It can change your mind. It can change your finances. Things don't look good, but then all of a sudden, the word of God, which is the highest truth, changes the facts. Hallelujah. That's why I don't believe men over God's word. I don't believe specialists over God's word. I don't believe the government over God's word. I don't believe anything over God's word because this is the truth and it can change the facts. And notice, when you walk in that kind of faith, see, here's something that that you got to realize. Thomas heard the truth, but he didn't believe it was true. He heard the truth and rejected it and refused to believe it. There's people in church like that. Well, I know that, you know, faith is good and, you know, the anointing's good, but, you know, and then they'll revert back to the natural for their help. That's not what the Bible encourages us to do. In fact, I see my friend, Pastor Rob Conover in the comments. Um, In fact, let me say this, a scripture that'll hit you different after tonight. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Hear that. We walk by faith and not by sight. Hmm. The Bible doesn't say we walk by faith and not by fear. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. So the opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is sight, natural sight. Because what happens? If you go by natural sight, it will bring unbelief into your heart. Happened to Peter. I read this the other night the story of Peter on the water with the other disciples and the storm hit, Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter says, Lord, if it's really you command me to come unto you, Jesus says, come. He steps out of the boat. He starts to do the impossible. And all of a sudden, what happens now? What happens? He starts walking by faith. Peter begins walking by faith. But then what happens? He changes His vision takes his eyes off of Jesus and the Bible says he starts to consider the waves and the wind. So now what's he doing? He's walking by sight and not by faith. Woo! See that? He starts walking by sight and not by faith. What happens to Peter as he's walking by sight, not by faith? He starts to sink. He starts to diminish. He starts to go down. And here's the thing. The Bible declares, and he calls out for help. Oh, renews his faith in Christ. And here comes Jesus, grabs him and pulls him up out of the problem. Peter went by walking by faith and started walking by sight. And destruction follows that. Because see what happened? The moment, so, so let me tell you internally what happened. The moment Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and began to consider the wind and the waves, fear entered his heart. Unbelief, doubt entered his heart. 
And then the miracle ceased. The miracle ceased. This is the devil's trick for 2023. It's the devil's, it's been his trick for 2000 years. Are you ready? He wants to get you looking at the natural realm so that you immediately begin to doubt God's word. He wants you to look at the natural realm so that you immediately begin to doubt God's word. Did God really say, did God really say, did, yes, God really said. Yes, God really said. Now, we turn over two chapters forward. Just go two chapters forward. And now we're in Mark chapter eight. Started in Mark chapter six. And now we're Mark chapter eight. I want to read you verses 22 through 26. Because this is, this is something that jumped out of our reading today hard into my spirit. Very hard. Um, Mark 8, 22. Let me just read it. And they came to Bethsaida. Mark that name in your Bible, Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida. And some people brought him, a blind man, and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. Notice what he did now. You see this? He needed to get this man a miracle. This is going to open your eyes. You've probably never seen this before. You've probably never seen this. Look what he did. He didn't pray for him. Not first. Not first. Look what he did. <coughs> took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. Led him out of Bethsaida. And the Bible says, and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, do you see anything? Do you notice Jesus didn't even start to bring miracle power to this man until he did what? Led him out of the village. Have you ever seen Jesus do that before? What's going on? What is going on in this story? Did you ever wonder that? Why did he do that? Why did Jesus lead the blind man out of the village of Bethsaida? We're going to find out in just a minute. He spit on his eyes, laid his hands on him and said, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he opened his eyes, his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Now look at this. Another one that's going to hit you. Same, same passage, verse 26. And Jesus sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. So first of all, he takes him out of the village. And then after he heals him, he says, now don't go back in the village. Whoo, get that. Jesus leads him out of the village and then says, don't go back in the village after you've got your miracle. I'm going to point this out to you because this is something most people never get. Most people never see it, but I want you to see it because this is a powerful principle. Don't let the enemy use this against you. In Matthew chapter 11, this is the passage that will open your eyes to the Mark 8 passage. And Jesus is uh, specifically addressing two cities. Two cities, Mark chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 23. Four verses. Look at this. Then he began to denounce the cities 
where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. There it is. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven. You'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it'll be more tolerable on the day of judgment in the land of Sodom than for you. Look at this, that no matter what he did in these cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, no matter what he did in those cities, they would not believe him, they would not repent. What does that mean? The cities were filled with unbelief. You see that? Bethsaida, Chorazin, Capernaum. Filled with unbelief. They would not believe his message. They would not repent. They remained in their unbelief. So now we get to Mark 8, and it sheds light on this subject, doesn't it? It sheds light on this story, because now we know what's going on in Bethsaida. We know what kind of city this is. It's a city filled with unbelief. It's a filled with unbelief. So what does Jesus do? Here comes a man. I need healing. Lord, I need a miracle. I need my eyes opened. He says, all right, let's leave this city. You need a miracle? Let's get away from unbelief. Just put that in the comments. Get away from unbelief. Put it in the comments. Get away from unbelief. Get away from unbelief. It's a miracle killer. It's a miracle manifestation killer. Get away from unbelief. He said, you need a miracle? Madison said, what what scripture was that? We were in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26, but I broke it open from Matthew chapter 11. And And the Matthew chapter 11 verses were 20 through 24. Shows us how. Unbelief is a miracle manifestation killer. Get away from unbelief. Get away from unbelief. I don't, listen, if there's people that want to talk doubt and unbelief, I got no time. I've got no time to to listen to that, to participate in that. And if they continue in my presence, I correct it. No, we don't talk like that. I'll correct, I don't care if it's people I don't even know. I've had people approach me at the altar. I've prayed for people During a a, a church service, I say, you believe God's going to touch you tonight? I hope so. Stop hoping. Believe it. We don't have time to be wishy-washy, go back and forth. Well, I hope so. I hope he will. No, he will. Do you believe it? God will do what you believe him for. Don't say you hope so. His word's either true or it's not true. Got to pick one or the other. Get away from unbelief. It's a killer. It's a killer. Listen to me. James chapter one, this is Jesus' brother writing this. James chapter one, we need to keep this in front of our eyes all the time. Don't let 2023 be a year where you are uh, deceived and sucked into unbelief in some area of your life, which kills your manifestation, kills your miracle. Don't do it. Listen to James one, verses six through eight. Let 
The one who asks, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person, who? A doubting person must not believe or suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. So when doubt creeps, this is why it's so dangerous. When doubt creeps in, it keeps me from being able to believe God and it keeps me from receiving my miracle, from receiving my breakthrough. I have no time for unbelief. I have no time for doubt. I cut it out of my life with a severity. I mean, with a discipline. I don't allow it. We're very strict on doubt. No, but we don't even talk that way. I refuse to doubt God. It's like one preacher said, if you're going to doubt anything, doubt your doubts. If you're going to doubt anything, doubt your doubts. But I cannot doubt God. I cannot doubt his words. No, I won't. I won't do it. So notice, he not only leads him out of the city, but after he heals him, he says, don't go back in the city. Now, here's, here's a mind blower for you. This is the only time in the Gospels where Jesus had to pray for somebody twice. You ever see that before? This is the only time in the Gospels where Jesus had to pray for someone twice. Where was it? Coming out of that place of unbelief. Coming out of that place of unbelief. Spits in his eyes. Prays for him. Lays hands. Do you see? Yeah, I see people, but they look like trees walking. All right, you got a little bit. You were blind before this. You got a little bit, but let's get the full miracle. Notice, the only time Jesus ever had to pray twice, coming out of the city of unbelief. And after the man finally got his miracle, he said, now don't go back in there. Just go home. Don't go back in there. That's a principle. Stay out of environments that are filled with unbelief. That's why I don't listen to every preacher preach. Every message is not for me. Every preacher is not for me. Every church is not for me. Hallelujah. Every church is not for me. I got to be around faith. I've got to be around the word of God. I don't have time for woke Christianity. I don't have time for lackadaisical Christianity. I don't have time for lazy Christianity. I don't have time for, uh, for uh, what you might call part-time Christianity. It's a lifestyle. I believe God's word. I live, I stand on it. His word is true. His word is true. So we guard ourselves from doubt and unbelief. Notice back in 2 Kings 7, they're in the midst of a famine. Their city's being besieged. They won't let anything in or out, the enemy army. And it's such a, a famine, people are eating their babies. People are eating their babies. And the prophet Elisha says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be able to buy grain and flour and everything, barley in the city square for a very cheap price. And the captain of the guard, on whose arm the king leaned, said, well, if the Lord opened up the windows of heaven, could these things really be? Yes, that's the whole point, that God's a supernatural God. If he opens the windows of heaven, yes, blessings are going to pour out. 24 hours later, the Bible says the miracle took place and they took all of their enemy's supplies, brought them back to the uh, city, 
And the Bible says that same man who had a confession of doubt and unbelief, the prophet told him, you'll see it happen, but you won't be able to eat any of it. You'll not experience it. You'll see it, but you won't experience it. This is so vital. If the enemy is able to keep you in a place of doubt and unbelief, then what you'll see happen, you'll see others get it, but you won't experience it. And that is not going to be our story in 2023 in the mighty name of Jesus. I refuse to see others experience it and me not receive mine because of doubt and unbelief. I refuse. I'm going to have God's blessing. And the Bible says the next day after the miracle happened, the king's guard is at the gate. People are all, you know, this is a famine. People are all ready to press, run into the city square and buy their food. And the Bible says he opened the gate and they trampled him to death at the gate. He saw the miracle and died before he could ever experience it. I refuse to miss out on my miracle. I refuse to miss out on my miracle. I saw Glenn said in the comments, Glenn uh, Karam, he said, I believe the whole word of God. And Glenn, I heard a preacher say one time, he said, I so believe this book. He said, I believe it from Genesis to maps. He said, I even believe the maps are true. He said, I even believe the cover that says Holy Bible. He said, I believe all of it. I believe the whole word of God is true. I'm like Glenn. I believe the whole thing. I don't have time for doubt. I don't have time for unbelief. And I want to show you one more thing before we pray. Man, it's already 945 again. These nights are flying by. Mark chapter 5. This was part of our reading from yesterday. But here's a story where Jesus performs multiple miracles in one passage. I like this because my father preached it like this for many years. On the way to heal somebody, Jesus healed somebody. <laughs> That's just powerful. On the way to heal somebody, Jesus healed somebody. And we know what the story was. There was a man by the name of Jairus whose daughter was laying home on basically her deathbed. And so Jesus said, I will come and I will heal her. And they're on the way to Jairus' house. But on the way, the woman with the issue of blood presses through the crowd, touches him, and she's made whole. On the way to heal someone, Jesus healed someone. We get to the place where they're now on the way to the house, and a messenger comes and stops them and says, hey, there's no use bothering the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble him. Jesus heard him say that. And he said, listen, don't fear. Only believe. Thank you, Jesus. Do not fear. Only believe. Hallelujah. Do not fear. Don't have doubt. Don't have unbelief. Only believe, get it. And he allowed no one to follow him. Now, here's gonna be a principle for your 2023. This right here, keep it close to your heart. What I'm getting ready to share with you right now, keep it close to your heart. Write this in your notes, your journal, put it in the comments. And listen to this principle. Jesus operated by this principle, mind-blowing. The Bible says, and he would allow no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. And of course, the parents of, of the girl. That's it. Does that not blow your mind that this is, Jesus needs to raise the dead. 
Do you know, by insinuation, it seems to me that Jesus is saying, I got nine disciples that don't have dead raising faith. And I don't need their doubt and unbelief in the room when I'm getting ready to pray and raise this girl from the dead. So I'm only taking Peter, James, and John. That's it. Notice he, he cut his circle down severely, right? Cut it down by 75%. and said, I only need three disciples on this one. Come on, Peter, James, and John. You've got dead raising faith, but not the others. He obviously is not going to bring Thomas up in there. I won't believe unless I put my finger. He's not bringing Thomas. He ain't bringing Judas. I can tell you that. So he cuts his circle down. Notice, he only keeps the ones around him who have faith. He only keeps the one. I don't listen to everybody. I don't hang with everybody. That's why we call each other the victory tribe. I got people that are like faith. Ain't nobody in the victory tribe that's going to come to me and say, I know you're believing for a miracle, Pastor Ted, but you know, you got to just keep your eyes on what's going on in the economy. No, no, no. The victory tribe doesn't talk that way. We don't act that way. We don't walk that way. We don't roll like that. I keep people around me that have faith because faith brings the victory. Notice this. He didn't bring anybody except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, now watch this. Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead. She's only sleeping. Watch, unbelief. And they laughed at him. It's a dangerous thing to laugh at the word of God. Don't laugh at the word of God. Don't laugh in unbelief. Laugh in faith. Saying, laugh and knowing it's already coming to pass. Don't, don't laugh at the word of God. As though, as though it couldn't come true for you. As though it couldn't break through for you. Don't laugh at the word of God. And the Bible says, and they laughed at him. Look at his response. I love this. But he put them all outside. <laughs> oh, Jesus put them all outside. You want to laugh at me? Get out. You going to laugh at this miracle? Because I got two parents here that are believing for their daughter to be raised from the dead. I got three disciples here that got faith to raise the dead. I got faith to raise the dead. And you're laughing at my word. Get out. Get out. The Bible says, and he put them all outside. And then he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. You see that? It might be time, it might be time to thin your circle. Well, I got people I've been hanging with since high school. I've known them forever. Yeah, but they don't care about following God's word. They don't care about believing God's word. They're not going in the same direction you're going. It's a dangerous thing to just stay connected with somebody out of nostalgia. They have no desire to follow God. They have no desire to obey the word. They're going in a different direction than you're going. Every time you get around them, they're talking about the opposite thing that you're talking about and believing for. And what happens? You start to have tension because they're going in one direction, you're going in another. How can two walk together unless they be agreed. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? And that's not 
you know, somebody being mean, it's not like you stop hoping for their salvation or praying for them or witnessing to them, but I don't have time to spend time with everybody. I need people around me that have faith, that believe God, that are headed in the same direction. Amen. That's what we need. The Bible says, and they laugh. Take note, put this in your notes. Take note of everybody that laughs at the word of God. You say, well, I've never seen anybody actually laughing at the Bible. No, no, no. Take note that, for example, you get a prophetic word. Hey, it's my year of transformation. Like, okay. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You start talking about what God's getting ready to do in 2023, and you see somebody go, okay, man, we'll see how that works out. That's them laughing at the word of God. That's them mocking the word that you receive from the Holy Spirit. Take note of the people who mock the word of God that you have in your life. Take note of those people and then say, bye. Put them out. Say, well, you you really think I should put them out? Put them out. Life is short and there's work to be done. There's work to be done. And vision gives you parameters. If I know what I'm supposed to be doing, if I know where I'm called to go and what I'm called to do, it also lets me know where I'm not called to go, what I'm not called to do, and who I'm not called to hang out with. Amen. Come out from among them and be separated. There's people keeping others in their lives just because they've been around for a long time. That's not a reason to keep somebody in your life. When the fruit of their life shows clearly they don't care. They don't care about church. They don't care about the word. They don't care about holiness. They don't care about faith. They don't, they don't care about any of it. Take note of people who laugh at the word of God. You don't need that in your life. You don't need that in your life. Jesus put them all out. They, I'm sure they were all acquaintances or friends of the parents. Otherwise, why would they be there mourning the daughter, right? Right? Why would they be there if they had no connection with the parents? Obviously, it was their friends and acquaintances. It wasn't just random people in the city. They had connection with the parents. And Jesus didn't care. Jesus didn't care. He said, get out. Get out. Now, on the flip side of that, the people God puts around you, this is a powerful blessing. I'll give you this before we pray. This is a powerful blessing. There was a man, you read about him in the Gospels, who was lame, not just lame, paralyzed, quadriplegic, could not walk, couldn't move, but he needed a miracle. And the Bible says he was on a mat, but he had friends, glory to God. He had friends who did have faith just like he had faith. The friends had faith just like he had faith. And the Bible says they picked up his mat And they brought him to where Jesus was. Now, if they didn't have faith, they wouldn't have done that. They just let him lay there. We ain't picking you up and carrying you across town. For what? Nope, they believed just like he believed. And when they got there, the house was so full, they couldn't get in. So what does the Bible say they did? They climbed up on the roof. This right here will make you shout. Because here... Here's a man who had friends that it's not just the man that needed to go to another level to get his miracle. He had friends that were willing to go to another level. Keep note, make note of those who mock you for fasting and prayer for 21 days. Make note of those that have snide comments 
about fasting and prayer for 21 days. You're not eating? What are you, what are you some kind of religious fanatic? What are you, some kind of religious zealot? You're, you're getting a little wild. That's a little overboard. You're going to hurt yourself. Make note of all those that mock you in a time of fasting and prayer. Take note of that. It's time to thin, thin the circle down. And these, these men picked his mat up and walked him to where Jesus was. House was too full. They were willing to go to another level. I need friends that are willing to press in and go to another level. I need people around me that are willing to step up to another place. Because I'm going to tell you, where Miracle Word's going this year, we're going to another level. And so I need people around that are ready to go to another level. It's not going to be like it used to be. It's going to be a whole other level. I need people like that, that'll press in, that'll fast, that'll pray, that'll believe God, that'll sow, that'll praise, that'll go after the presence of God. And that's what God's attaching to this ministry. That's what the Victory Tribe is. And so they were willing to go to another level. Now watch this. They got up to the top and they tore the roof apart. Tore the roof apart. And the Bible says, and they lowered him down in front of Jesus. Now look at this. This is how you know they all had it. And Jesus looking up, the Bible says, and seeing their faith, not just his faith, seeing their faith, saw the faith of every one of the friends and the man. Come on, Robert. Saw the faith of every friend and the man, seeing their faith, said, take up your bed and walk. Hallelujah. The breakthrough hit. What, what changed that man's life? Faith, refused to doubt, refused unbelief. His friends refused to doubt. They refused unbelief. And they had faith. Hallelujah. They had faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that's what I'm talking about. Don't allow doubt and unbelief anywhere near your life in 2023. Don't allow doubt or unbelief anywhere near your life. Keep it out. Keep it out. How do you do it? You continue to take in preaching and teaching. You confess the word with your mouth. You ought to have confessions. I thank you, Lord. Wake up in the morning. I thank you, Lord. You know, that's why we do it with our children every night. We developed confessions for Miracle Word kids. And we do it every single night based on Revelation 5.12. The seven reasons that the lamb was slain, the Bible says. That the lamb was slain. And that's, that's exactly what we do. We confess. Because Jesus didn't need to die to get those things. He already had them while he was living. He needed to die to obtain them for you and for me. But we say it every night. And the kids repeat it. We put it on posters for your kids to put up in their room. I'm powerful. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. I'm mighty. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. Well, then my kids started acting in faith. And let me tell you something. They started adding their own confession. I didn't add it. The kids started adding their own confessions beyond the seven. And so now every night before we go to bed, without fail, we pray. But then every one of us confess. We all say that. Mom says it. I say it. The kids say it. We go through the whole confession. I'm powerful. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. I'm mighty. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. I'm healthy, I'm thankful, I'm bold, I'm a leader, I'm pure, I'm holy, I'm generous. And I'm telling you, every night we declare it. Every night we declare it. You ought to get up out of your bed every day 
and begin to declare the word of God over your life. Confess it. That's what God told Joshua. Don't let the book of the law depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Speak it. Speak it. Thank you, Lord, that the same spirit. In fact, that's what I'm going to do as we pray at the end. I'm just going to start declaring things from the word of God at the end of this uh, uh, session tonight right now. I want you to put your Bible down, lift your hands. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, begin to pray in tongues. Begin to pray in your heavenly language. If not, pray in your known language and receive this. But Father, we thank you. We thank you right now that your word declares that the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in us and quickens our mortal body. And so tonight we declare that that Holy Spirit from heaven that is living in our bodies right now is quickening every physical body in Jesus' name. We thank you that joints are being healed, bones are being healed, muscles are being healed, organs are being healed. We thank you for it right now, that the Holy Ghost is quickening, strengthening, making alive our physical bodies. We thank you, Lord, right now that every one of our uh, uh, organs will function as it was created to function in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Heart is functioning properly. Liver, kidneys, lungs, all functioning properly. Pancreas functioning properly. We thank you right now that blood cells are receiving insulin properly. They are not insulin resistant in Jesus' name. We thank you that diabetes is leaving bodies. We thank you, Lord, that glaucoma, cataracts, problems with the vision, COPD, mesothelioma, issues in the body are being healed right now because the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in us. It is the law of life in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that your word declares that the greater one lives on the inside of us, greater than the spirit of Antichrist that's gone out into this world. And that Antichrist spirit that tries to attack families and homes and minds, bodies, finances, we have authority over that attack because the greater one lives on the inside of us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you filled us with power from on high. Your word declares that you have filled us with power from on high. And we thank you that we have power over every attack of the wicked one. We have the shield of faith that when we raise it up, it quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. Every single dart that's been launched against your people has to fizzle and die in the name of Jesus Christ. Faith quenches it in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. There's not one weapon that's formed against the body of Christ that can penetrate the mighty shield of faith. We give you glory right now that every attack comes to nothing in Jesus' name. I declare it throughout the year 2023 is gonna be a year for your faithful people that every attack comes to nothing in Jesus' name. Every attack comes to nothing in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Ghost. We will laugh as the devil tries to attack. We will laugh as the enemy tries to take us out because there's not one weapon formed against us 
that can penetrate the shield of faith. Every fiery dart's quenched. We thank you, Lord, even now that you're opening up the way for your people. We thank you that you're opening up the way. Divine direction is opening up, that we will have opportunities that we've never had. As Paul called them, doors of opportunity are opening up in Jesus' name. Things that have never opened in the history of our lives are opening up now by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, for that prayer request that came in before I left the house, I take authority over that back pain, that leg pain in the name of Jesus Christ. I lose healing virtue by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I command that back to come into alignment. I command those legs, joints, come into alignment in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Healing virtue flow now and make him whole. We thank you for it. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Divine open doors. That's what we've been declaring. We thank you now, Lord. Doors of opportunity are opening up for your people. We thank you that you're opening up a way where there was no way. And we thank you that you're going out ahead of us. Your word declares in Isaiah 58 that as we begin to fast the way that you want us to fast, your chosen fast, that our righteousness would go before us. Well, you declared through the prophet that the Lord is our righteousness. He is Jehovah Sitkanu, God, our righteousness. So we thank you that that means then that because our righteousness is going before us, that means God, you are going before us. You are going ahead of us. You are opening up the way. You are making crooked places straight. You are leading us and guiding us in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, I thank you. I give you praise that divine open doors are opening for your people. Your word declares in Revelation that Jesus Christ holds the key of David in his hand. And when he opens doors, no man can shut them. No demon can shut them. When he closes doors, no man can open them. No demon can open them. And so, Lord, tonight we begin by giving you thanks that Jesus, who holds the key of David, is opening doors for his children in 2023. We thank you that they're opening up for us in Jesus' name. Doors are opening up for us by the power of the Holy Ghost, and no demon can shut it. No man with an antichrist agenda can shut the doors that Jesus is opening for us. In Jesus' name. Now, in the same way, Lord, that Jesus is opening doors, we thank you that it's just as much of a blessing when Jesus closes doors. Lord, the same way that you did for Noah when he got on the ark and all of the animals followed him on the ark, you took that very last step before judgment fell. And the Bible declares God shut the door. And so, Lord, I thank you that this will be a year that you by your power are shutting doors that the enemy tried to keep open. You are shutting doors that demons have tried to access to harass our families, to harass our children, our lives, bodies, minds. Those doors are shutting during this fast in Jesus' name. 
where it feels like crisis to crisis. It feels like issue to issue. It feels like drama after drama. We declare that is cut off in the name of Jesus Christ and it comes quickly to an end in the name that's above every name because Jesus holds the key of David and when he shuts a door, nobody can open it up. Not a man, not a demon, not the devil himself. And so, Lord, we thank you for both of those, that it'll be a year of right open doors and right closed doors in Jesus' mighty name. That's it, Lisa, declare it. All cycles stop in Jesus' name. We don't repeat the cycles of the past. We will not repeat the cycles of 2019, 2020, and 2021, and 2022. Everything that seemed to run through our families, the things that seemed to be curses, running from generation to generation. They are cut off and they come to an end in the mighty name of Jesus. They are cut off and they come to an end. Addictions are broken by the power of the Holy Ghost. We declare that tonight. Addictions are broken by the power of the Holy Ghost. Cannot stay on our families or in our homes. We thank you, Lord. Anything that even brought us frustration that caused us to be in a place of anxiety or worry or frustration. We lost rest over it. It comes to an end quickly tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Tonight we give you praise that you are scattering every enemy of our soul from our homes. You are scattering every enemy of our soul from our children from our bodies, everything the devil sent, you'll blow one breath from heaven and every wicked thing has to run from us in Jesus' name. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. We thank you, Lord. Things that tried to hang around for years are quickly scattering during this time of fasting and prayer. Whatever used to be a struggle, now we declare the struggle is over in Jesus' name. The struggle is over in Jesus' name. The struggle is over. I feel the anointing on that. Receive it for you. Receive it for your family. The struggle is over in Jesus' name. It's come to an end. It has come to an end by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you'll get all the praise, Lord. You'll get all the glory. You'll get all the honor. We thank you, Lord. Tonight, the struggle comes to an end cycles broken. We refuse to repeat the past in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, we pray for what you're doing all over this earth. We pray for your plans that are coming to pass this year. We thank you that there is nothing that can thwart the plan of God. You will build your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We thank you that the church is expanding in 2023. I pray souls come in to the kingdom from every direction this year in 2023 quicker than they ever have expedited salvations expedited baptisms in the holy ghost expedited healings miracles lord do it quickly and i take authority now over every antichrist plan working behind the scenes to try to hinder the plans of god on the earth and i thank you lord that you're already moving to destroy every plot and plan of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Now, finally, Lord, I thank you that you have sent 
angels, ministering spirits to minister to us, those of us that have inherited salvation. And so, Lord, we thank you that we have angelic assistance in 2023. We thank you, not only are angels watching over us, but as your word declares, they go and carry out your word on the earth. So whatever you've declared over our families, whatever good thing that you've declared over our uh, ministries and our businesses and our families, I pray that you'd send those angels out to carry out your will and your word on the earth. We thank you that the angels of the Lord are working on behalf of the righteous. We thank you that they're ministering on our behalf. We receive our inheritance in Jesus' name. We receive our portion in Jesus' name. I declare it, no wicked thing, no evil thing will befall us in 2023 by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. It's not gonna be a year of tragedy. We're not gonna see calamity. It's not gonna be a year of heartbreaking accidents in Jesus' name. For angels are encamped round about us, watching over us. We give you praise for that. We give you glory for it in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, throw some fire up in the comments, throw some hands up in the comments and begin to shout where you are. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.